What's going on, everybody? Thomas here with Geek Freaks, and we have a very special guest, the marvelous, the talented, the beautiful Danielle Busetti. Danielle, how are you doing? I'm feeling very freaky and very geeky today, so I think <laughs> that you've got the right guest on your podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's an honor to have you. Uh, we spoke at DreamHack in San Diego recently, and we were like, man, I really want to talk to her more. She's so amazing. She has so much knowledge and just uh, just an awesome, true fan at heart, too. I think people will know that you are an actress, you're a singer-songwriter, you are a writer and a producer. Some of your probably best-known roles are from True Jackson VP and as the goddess Freya from the God of War series. But my first question is probably from one of your maybe lesser-known roles. It's one of me and my wife's favorites which is Professor Linda <laughs> Logan from Parks and Rec. Let's talk about some Parks and Rec first. She gets so much love. I, I just, I love the Parks and Rec fans because they are like ride or die. Uh, I have been in the most obscure places where I'm traveling, uh, airplanes, at the gym that I work out in, random restaurants by the beach in Ventura County, Professor Linda. And I turned <laughs> my head and there was this group of like college kids who I think have just maybe recently started to binge watch Parks and Rec, you know, Parks and Rec, The Office. These, these are types of shows that you can just binge the whole thing. Shit's crazy, oh, yeah. All those shows. And they, they saw that I was having a special dinner with some family members and they brought the most beautiful bottle of wine that they had bought from up there just because they wanted to give it to Professor Linda. Of course, we got a picture. And uh, I'll tell you what, I, I recurred on two episodes and I, I would have come back for more. It was one of the most friendly sets. I loved working with Chris Pratt, Nick Offerman, Rob Lowe, um, Audrey Plaza. I mean, Aubrey Plaza, they were so kind and let me improvise with them, which was like, I couldn't believe it. It was incredible. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, me and my wife recently just watched that video. We we're like, oh my God, I'm getting to talk to Professor Linda tomorrow. This is gonna be great. <laughs> So yeah, that was, oh, it's great to know that they were cool as well. And it was oh, an yeah. awesome set. Definitely. They were, they were so kind. Um, and you know, I've, I've been on quite a few different shows, you know, I sort of bounced around throughout the years and, uh, and this was one of those recurring parts that I was really indelible for me. And I think elevated me in a lot of ways as a, as a comedian and, uh, and just to know that they, they met me on equal footing and they allowed me to play with them. The first step was don't pee your pants because they're so funny. Like literally like <laughs> right. my legs together thinking of like dead puppies or whatever I had to do when Pratt <laughs> is in front of me being hysterical. And yeah. I got to kind of look at him like, yeah, but it's, it's pass or fail. This is just pass or fail. You know, I just want to right. know what, just want to see what you garnered, what you learned in the class, you know, mm -hmm. and he's just a complete bumbling mess as he does so perfectly for Andy. And so the first step was don't laugh. Okay. And then the second step was, you know, if he throws something out with me, just be open. You know, what, what would Professor Linda do? You know, so it was a lot of fun. <laughs> right, right. Next time, uh, pass plus, right? Yeah, that doesn't exist, Andy. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> oh, man, he's so great. What a nice guy, Chris oh, Pratt. That's awesome. Such a great story. Which roles did you feel like deserved more attention, like uh, Professor Linda Logan, that you've done in the past? I mean, I would have loved if Professor Linda came back. That would have been great. More attention. Um, gosh, of some of these really great recurring roles. Uh, well, uh, I don't know if you ever saw um, a series that I did called Dwight and Shining Armor. I have not. As a as a freak and a geek, you must watch this because okay, it's um, on the list. Yeah, it's free to stream on byutv.org. That was the main problem is nobody knew where to find it. Okay. But I tell people, if you love The Princess Bride and Monty Python, 
and set in sort of a freaks and geeks TV show environment, you're going to love Dwight in Shining Armor. Okay. And I play this witch from the 10th century medieval period, along with all these other characters from the medieval period that get awoken after being asleep for like thousands of years. And uh, we're sort of trudging around like middle America, trying to find our way. But this kid, Dwight, is the one who woke us up. So now he's like the sworn champion to like protect the princess Greta. And it's just complete <laughs> shenanigans, ridiculous, played dead serious. And that's my favorite kind of comedy. I grew up watching you know, Mel Brooks and, uh, you know, Pink Panther. Um, right. I, I grew up watching, um, you know, some of the greatest, uh, uh, Monty Python, um, Princess Bride being one of my favorite films. And, you know, they're, they don't think they're being funny at all. I mean, they're, 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 uh, their stakes are dire, you know, life or death and the most <laughs> right. ridiculous things. So um, I would, they almost did a spinoff of my character, Witch Hexala, and I would have loved that because oh. she had quite a big following. Um, Professor Linda would have been great. Um, I was recurring on the OC. That was my first recurring part. I don't know if you ever saw that series. It might be a okay. little bit before your time. Uh, I played um, a, kind of a bitchy country club friend, like fair weathered friend named Joan. And she <laughs> oh, was Joan the Noopsie. And I say she was the the Noopsie everyone loved to hate. So I played these sort of for, formidable women a lot. Um, oh, there's one thing I will say right now that's happening on Twitter, which is interesting. And I was going to let my PR team know. Mm -hmm. what Jason, is it? Jason Blum of the of Blumhouse. Yeah. Uh, of course, I was the mother of death in Insidious Chapter 2. And um, that is a very complex character, right? She's dressing up her little boy as a little girl. She's slapping the hell out of him. She's stuck in the further. She's sort of the reason that this haunting happened. If you, everyone loves a good origin story, right? If you keep pulling it back, it's like, then what happened to Michelle Crane? Mm -hmm. Why did she become the mother of death? So Jason Blum tweeted yesterday, uh, basically, what's your favorite moment from a Blumhouse film? Um, I'm working on a project. Thanks. So now everybody's saying, oh, this, that, this, that, the other. And so a lot of the Michelle Crane fans, Mother of Death fans are coming out. Michelle, you know, the slap, how dare you? And so now there's this <laughs> petition nice. that they want a Mother of Death film, standalone film. There's two petitions going around saying we want a Mother of Death film and we want to understand what, why did she go so crazy? What happened to Michelle Crane? <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, give us that, that link. We'll petition for it too. Cause I, yeah, I'd be so on board with that. That sounds awesome. Oh, I'll send it to you. Thank you for that support. Yeah. I would let me, they, they made one of the nun, right? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Right. I mean the nuns too. And I think that whole series is like continuing on also. Why wouldn't, uh, why wouldn't your character get one as well? That'd be amazing. It, 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 it would be very, I have a backstory because I was the actress who played her. I'm curious what Lee Wanell and James Wan and Jason Blum's idea of Michelle Crane's backstory is. I think it'd be fun to explore. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, that'd be so crazy. So as you were growing up though, you, you've talked about it, you were growing up and you were acting and, and you always felt like you had this, this thing inside you that you wanted to do. You were getting called to it. Who was an actor or a voice actor that inspired you when you were younger? Ooh, well, the first actress would, was Judy Garland in The Wizard of Oz. And, and I remembered it so indelibly because I mean, like that's, that's such a, a nostalgic film like it's, it's it's in everyone's childhood right it's maybe one oh, of the yeah. first films that your parents will show you and of course it's a little scary with the witch and all of that even though i wasn't too scared of the witch i was kind of in i was intrigued by her but uh 
Yeah, I think it started there. And, you know, I grew up in a, um, a Christian household. So a lot of what we watched there was sort of curated with making sure it was family friendly and appropriate for kids, which I actually, regardless of your religion, I think it's a good idea to be careful what we're showing our children. Um, so like I watched a lot of I Love Lucy, you know, so Lucille Ball was one of my comedian heroes. And, you know, all those great old shows from the 50s and, and the 60s. Um, that I watched, uh, my dad, we watched a lot of Saturday Night Live. So, um, and, and way back when, like, you know, uh, was uh, Jim Belushi uh, or John Belushi, Jim was his brother, John Belushi. And um, I'm thinking yeah. Gilda Radner. So right. funny. Uh, was it Chevy Chase was in that, I Chevy think. Chevy Chase, in that yeah, yeah, Dan Aykroyd, Eddie oh, Murphy, yeah. mm -hmm. you know. Um, and then of course, Madeline Kahn. So then there's the world of Mel Brooks, which is like my everything as far as comedy goes, like, uh, you know, young Frankenstein. From yeah, Blazing Saddle. <laughs> Blazing oh, yeah, Saddles. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Frankenstein. Yeah. So and Madeline Kahn very quickly became between between like she's on my left side and like Lucy's on my right side, you know, of, of just like funny women. And then, of course, all the great classics like Vivian Lee and Gone with the Wind, you know, and then and then little by little, you know, you just you, you grow up and you start to watch, you know, you know, other types of, of entertainment. But um, I would say that those were some of the indelible things in, in my childhood. And then, of course, the fantasy and the sci fi. My mom was a huge sci-fi fantasy nerd. Like it was all Star Wars. It was oh. all Carrie Fisher. It was all like, you know, the great, you know, it was like Princess Leia was, I had Slave Leia on my wall. That's a little questionable as a, as a young right. girl. Yeah, yeah. It was like family friendly <laughs> stuff and then Slave Leia. And then Slave Leia. It's, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, hey, well, this is fantasy. So we can like, somehow we'll justify it. So there's Slave Leia, like, you know, right by my pink canopy bed. And I'm like, one day I want to be just like you, you know, come <laughs> right. to a slug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's but, um, great. And, you know, my mom, uh, you know, we watched you know, Star Trek and Star Wars was like the Holy Grail, like in, in, in our, you know, it was like Jesus and like, you know, Luke Skywalker were sort of like, you know, equal footing. Jesus was yeah. probably a little bit more here. But uh, and then, of course, right. Harrison Ford, the greatest American, greatest hero of all time, Indiana Jones, uh, you know, Han Solo. Han Solo. Yeah. So this this and, um, you know, here we go. We got Grogu. Hey, there you go. And oh, just, my you know, gosh. Yeah, this little buddy, he sleeps with me. Oh my gosh, adorable. Yeah. Nice. You just have to put him in a, a little canopy and just let him follow you around. And now you're uh, you're the Mandalorian. <laughs> this would be the greatest. That would be the greatest thing. In fact, I think that they should probably start inventing that. And you know it's going to come out. There's going to be, people are going to be walking around with their little hovercraft uh, baby. Oh yeah. Uh, you're going to see so much of it at Comic-Con. Absolutely. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Um, that's beautiful. I love that a lot of your heroes were kind of comedic base because yeah, I mean, you can do drama so well, but I think you do com comedy super well on top of it. So that's, it's awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, let's see, what kind of training did you, uh, use to prepare for some of your roles and for the voice acting roles that you've been doing? Because I know I, I again, I think people, a lot of people now really see you as Freya. What'd you do to have to prepare for that? Oh, well, you've heard any of my other interviews, I had no idea that I even was in God of War until the table read. So I was catching up at the first couple months and I, wow. I, swear, I swore that they were gonna fire me. I mean, it would have been a little unfair because I had no idea what I was, I mean, I knew the speech. It was very Shakespearean soliloquy, you mm -hmm. know, queen that lost her kingdom. I was like, I got those vibes, let's do this. Book the job, walk in, I'm like, oh, Norse mythology, Freya, that's 
great. I wish I would have known that prior to walking <laughs> into this table read with like the formidable Chris Judge and all these incredible voice, you know, not just voice actors, but actors in the world yeah. uh, that are just phenomenal with these phenomenal voices. And I was like, oh, OK, let's just hope they don't I don't get an email at the end of the day saying thank you for your service. Right. Um, I. I did. I just dive deep. I'm very studious. I'm a, I'm a woman um, um, of the, I'm an actor, actress of the theater. And so for me, I love uh, research. I love diving deep. I love exploring what's on the page, exploring the mythology. I, I dived into Wikipedia and, you know, if, if, if probably should have went to the library to be old school and romantic, you know. No, but, Wikipedia is the new library. I'm yeah. sorry to libraries, but it is. You're fine. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I have this more romantic version of myself going through, you know, the little glossary cards that you pull out and you sort of go through and go yeah. oh, and reference this book. And then you'd go up a set of stairs and you'd find the book. Well, anyway, I was it wasn't that. But I but I did um, I did search a little deep dive into Neil Gaiman's uh, Norse mythology and uh, and uh, and of course, the uh, prose Edda, uh, the uh, poetic Edda. And uh, what's interesting about a lot of these mythologies, obviously, a lot of them being the same. You've got your goddess of love and all the different mythology pantheons and you've got your god of war and your you know all the god of the underworld and and speed and safety and yeah, yeah absolutely exactly and they're sort of ubiquitous but they're they got different names and some of them are like more conglomerates like Frey is a conglomerate of many different attributes you know beauty right. love sex fertility which are obviously two different things i mean one leads to the other but sex fertility um war gold and satyr magic so that that's you know quite a big responsibility to shoulder um and so yeah i just researched everything i could a lot of it was a little bit conflicting like in some uh text she was frig and then another text she was freya freya with a y freya with a y and a j and and you know the story of the brisingaman necklace like i don't mm -hmm. know if you know this very salacious accusation but apparently she loves gold and she loves beautiful things. And so she commissioned the dwarves, uh, which would be Sindri and Brock and, and some of the other dwarves to right. make this beautiful Brisingaman necklace. Well, apparently in one of the stories I read, they said, sure, we'll do it, but you have to have sex with all of us. In which case she's like, well, you know, I'm the goddess of sex. So here we go. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. History is told differently by who tells it. Was that the dwarves version of the story? Because I don't know if Freya would very much readily give that information. Right, right. Yeah. That sounds like the dwarves would be like, guess what happened last night, guys? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. We like made this necklace and we all got, you know, the got us of love cave and gave us all a ride. I mean, it's horrible, horrible. But anyway, right, right. so I was sort of sorting through what feels right for me? <clears throat> what am I going to like lean on to? And then of course the brilliant writers at Sony Santa Monica studios, Matt Sophos, Corey Barlock, Richard Gobert, the whole team are, I'm just bow at their feet. I'm I'm always singing their praises because as an actor, I can do all my backstory here, like to connect to me, Danielle Basuti, this moving, feeling, breathing being, I can do all the research in the text, right. Of, of ancient Norse mythology, but I can only say their words. And I can only right. do my research based on the, the, the architecture, the blueprint, whatever you want to call it, the text that they've written, which mm -hmm. is some of the most beautiful uh, narrative I've ever experienced, seen, heard, and got to be a part of. So, Wow, that's yeah. incredible. I love it. Just, man, so much thought process, so much heart that you put into it. It's beautiful. And I think it shows. That's so fantastic. Uh, let's see. What is uh, the most helpful advice that you have ever received from someone in terms of your career? 
I know we're going deep with it. We just no, had no, this no. deep conversation and now, you know, well, the main thing is, <laughs> is how do I whittle it down? Which is like, you know, my PR team is now completely aware of the fact that like, I'll answer a question and I'll write like a small book, like a dissertation. Like the, if I, so there would be two things. One, it don't take the rejection personally and just know that it's a business. So when you understand there's all these reasons why you may or may not get a part because, right, that's what you do as an actor. You audition, you you prepare, you put the hair and makeup, you drive in traffic, you get there. Well, now people, you put yourself on tape, but that's your art. That's your craft that you're lending for this audition. Right. And maybe nine times out of 10 or whatever, it's it's not yours for a whole myriad of reasons that you, you're not, that have nothing to do with maybe the way that you showed up for the audition. Right. Um, once I learned that, I started innovating and writing and producing because I thought, and I'll never forget what Matt Damon said when he won, he and Ben Affleck won the Oscar for um, Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting, yep, yep. And someone had said in some interview, why did you start, what made you write? Like you were, you know, you, you guys were acting and he goes, well, I was just tired of being the fifth friend on the left. And I knew that I had something more to give. Now I've been more than the fifth friend on the left. But there's certainly more aspirations that I have uh, with my career. Um, and so at a certain point, I was like, OK, well, um, there's a glass ceiling that I'm hitting. And I was starting to lose out on these bigger parts to like bigger name actresses. And I was like, ah, this is so heartbreaking. What do I do? So I started innovating. So that would be the, the first thing was like when someone said, don't take it personally, it's a business. And then someone has suggested, you know, maybe make your own art, maybe start writing. The other thing I would say, um, career-wise or maybe life-wise, is to always trust uh, your gut, your intuition. It's the small voice that tells you, bring that pencil. And you're like, why? I don't need a pencil. And, and it's like, just take the pencil. Right. Maybe you don't. Like, this is such a small, I'm, I'm giving you a small little anecdote. But like, and then a couple hours later, you like specifically need a pencil and you're like, why didn't I just grab it? Yeah. Like, you know, and I'm giving like kind of a, you know, this is like a shallow idea of hearing that voice, but I think it makes tons of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because you never know what that gut feeling is going to tell you. And then you don't know how, when it goes down the line, what it's going to turn into. So I think I understand what you're saying is like, yeah, trust your gut. If you feel like you should take that pencil, who knows how you're going to use it or who's going to need it. And then it could turn into something bigger and better in the future. And exactly right. And, and, and down the line, you know, or it could even just be like a feeling you have about a certain person, like, you know, something feels off. Well, that voice, that little thing that you hear in, in the quiet spaces, which are difficult to find these days with social media and all the things we're running around and doing. But in the quiet spaces, which is why prayer, meditation and, and having those moments are so important, you can hear that inner wisdom and that inner wisdom is always going to lead you to your truth. And it's always looking to guide you in a safe manner, I believe, in my experience. Wow. I mean, this is incredible. You're, you're already I feel like you're like a spiritual guide for me right now. Like you're my shaman through the day or through this week. It feels great. I, I love it. I love it. Um, all right. So. We found out that God of War is getting a live action adaptation. Would you like to be Freya in the live action adaptation? And if not Freya, is there any other characters that you would like to portray? I love this question. And it's always a yes. Of course, I would love to play Freya in the live action. Um, You know, Game of Thrones was one of my favorite TV series of all time. I grew up watching fantasy mythologies. You know, uh, I'm 
just trying to think of one of the ones that like Clash of the Titans, the original one. I'll never forget that film. And it was just it was mythology and it was fantasy and it was, you know, I, I just uh, never ending story. You know, things like this were so indelible for me. And so I always wanted to be a part of a TV series or a film that was set in that world. And I have through Freya and God of War, um, but I've also been an avatar for that. And even though it's performance capture and we're acting everything out, I get that satiation of I lived that. Now it would be great if it was just my face, if it was me in the live action. So right. I would love to play Freya if they'll have me. And if for whatever reason, again, there are reasons out of my control that I am not, of course, I would be honored to take if there's some other great Valkyrie or role or whatever it is. Um, I'd love to be a part of it. I've been a part of it for 10 years in the franchise and um, I'm rooting it on. I'm a big fan of Amazon Prime who isn't. They're going to crush it. And I'm so glad that they're going to be working lockstep with Corey Barlog and Sony Santa Monica Studios because they're the people that created this IP and they they know it from the heart, from the little tiny cells inside the heart. They know it. So it's going to be special. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, we're rooting for you, too. And if they take any bit of advice from the Last of Us series, like you are for sure in there. And I cannot wait to see it. We're going to be fully rooting you on and, and cheering for you. It would be so awesome. Thank yeah. you so much. That means yeah. so much to me. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, last bit is, you know, before we go, I know you're busy. Uh, just wanted to ask, do you have any upcoming projects or anything where the people who are listening and watching this can find you and support you? Thank you for that question. Um, yes. So there are, so sort of staying in the pantheon of Norse mythology, um, it, after the 2018 game, I was so overwhelmed. I, I, I did not know. It, it really is truly one of those stories where you say yes to something and it ends up changing your life like unexpectedly, which God of War and Freya has. And so now with all of these new fans on Twitter that I get to interface with and geek out with all the time, I was like, how do I thank them in a proper way, um, in a very Freya-esque way, which would be like doting a lot of love on them. And I, I remembered that I, I thought of that song, uh, Lana Del Rey's song, Video Games. And I was like, oh, that is a cool song. It's like cutesy. And it's like, go play your video game, baby. I love you forever. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'll do that. And I'll just be in this like cute little summer dress and I'll have my ukulele on my couch. And then that sort of evolved into a five minute full, full on production fantasy film about Freya, like very line in the witch in the wardrobe, starting out like playing the game, which is very meta. And then like she goes into she's playing her ukulele. She goes into the backyard, rounds a tree. And all of a sudden now she's in Narnia. She's in she's in Midgard or she's wow. in, in one of the nine realms of of Norse mythology. And there she is. And and then I start to find these beautiful fairy like women dressed in these beautiful garments, playing their instruments, a real harpist, a, uh, two cellists, you know, a, a trumpet player, a violinist in the tree, a drummer girl. And I'm going along and I'm, as I had my awakening, I'm wakening them up and I'm touching their forehead. And then there's this transformation that happens. So I don't want to tell you everything because you still have to see it. I mean, I'm sold. I'm like, I know exactly <laughs> what I'm doing after we're done talking. I'm going straight to YouTube. If it's on there, I'm watching yeah. it wherever, wherever I need to watch it. It's on my Perfect Timing Productions YouTube channel. It's called Song of the Valkyrie. And it, got, okay. and, and it ended up being this massive production with my production. And it was it's beautiful. The wardrobe the I recorded this song with my uh, music producing partner, Rob Christie, over at Republic Records. And we just dialed it in. And it's very it's got like uh, war drums and it's very, you know, epic. 
Um, I was thinking, what would Bear McCreary do, you know, it, and taking this Lana Del Rey sort of sleepy ballad and like making it like the song for going to battle to Ragnarok. Um, then everyone loved it so much. And we were like, huh, well, we'd love for this to be a TV series about the Valkyrie. I was like, what if we sort of go into that video game space and do a little animation? And mm -hmm. we had met this really great animator who was a fan who loved it from Australia. Um, his name is James O'Reilly. And he took each Valkyrie and animated them. So now they all have their own little animated GIF. And at the <sighs> end awesome. of the music video, the last 20 seconds are all animated. So I suggest watching it first, just live action, and then going back and watching the animated version. Oh, that is so cool. That is awesome. I mean, all the layers to it, the thought process, the way that you guys decided to film it and then into animation. That's so cool. Again, what was the song? One more time for us. Songs of the Valkyrie. It's called Song of the Valkyrie. You can find it at my Perfect Timing Productions YouTube channel. Um, you have the live action and then you have the animated. And obviously the goal is to continue to develop it and possibly get an animated series. Uh, we, we used to call them Saturday morning cartoons when we were growing up. Yeah. Now cartoons are all all over the place anytime you want them. Uh, it was very special growing up because it was just on Saturdays. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's one project I'd love to continue to share and make a, make a, people aware of. And then the other one is a film that I did um, just at the end of 2021 um, called The Blue Rose. And okay. there's also a musical component to that. So it's I, I tell people if David Lynch and Stanley Kubrick got together and wrote a film in the vein of L.A. Confidential, film noir 1950s, but Ooh. set it in the world of purgatory. Whoa, that yeah. that is that sounds pretty heavy, and I'm on board with that. I like yeah. that. And you're also probably completely confused, which you, you might be. My mind is a little blown. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but but I am super intrigued. I mean, it sounds incredible. Uh, when. Is there a time frame of when we think this movie is going to be coming out? Uh, yes. This year, we, next year? Uh, well, we, we got, uh, we got um, accepted into the London uh, Fright Fest. All right. So this August, I'm so excited. I still haven't seen it, by the way. I'm dying to see it. This August at London Fright Fest, we will be our world premiere. Um, and I play, a, a, once again, a very formidable femme fatale type character. Her name is Norma Steele. She's a bit of an enigma. You're not quite sure what she's up to. You just think maybe perhaps she's up to no good. Uh, and now in her defense, of course, because I play her, uh, she she feels that she's helping initiate people okay. into, into the truth of who they are. And I'll just leave it at that. OK, but, I'm going to keep that nugget in my mind when I watch the movie. So, I'm like, right. OK, this yeah. is this is what the character was thinking. And yeah. then this is this is how it's playing out. This <laughs> This is what they think of themselves. And this is what the entire rest of the world is, is, is witnessing. <laughs> <see>. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. Well, that sounds so awesome. Um, there's so much to look forward to with you. There's so much to root forward to a lot of petitions that need to be signed after this interview, which I'm fully happy to support and do. Um, Danielle, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. You're incredible. Um, all of the work you're in is, is incredible. You're an amazing actress, amazing person. And uh, yeah, just thank you so much for, for joining us today. Thank you so much. I always feel like I'm with a family member when I'm a, with a fellow freak and geek. And um, we'll just say goodbye. Here's my little my little Kratos bust. Oh, there you go. And my little Grogu. Um, we'll say goodbye to everybody and we'll say, you know what? Stay. Keep it weird. You know, 
Yeah. Austin's, I think it's a keep, keep Austin weird. Keep Austin weird. Right. Keep Just like Portland, Portland weird. Yeah. Keep yourself weird. Like it's so boring to be cool. I have never been cool. I don't think I'll ever get there. I failed. <sighs> well, yeah. If you're not, if you're not cool, I don't know who anybody is because you're as cool as it gets. And thank <laughs> so you for showing us your awesome family. And thanks for joining us today. You're amazing. All right. Bye everyone. Bye. Thanks for tuning in.